If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. International Horse College's motto is people safety and horse welfare, and you'll find this message throughout our chats. Registered Training Organisation number 31352. Hello everyone. I'm absolutely delighted to introduce you today to Susie Hutchinson, who we all know is a show jumper. Now, Susie has also been inducted to the Hunter Hall of Fame as well as the Show Jumping Hall of Fame. She's been involved in six FEI World Cup Finals and also the FEI World Equestrian Games. With the best saying, I think, in the world, no guts, no glory, in ink on her arm, I'd like to introduce you to Susie Hutchinson. How are you, Susie? I'm very well, thank you. And you? Wonderful, wonderful. Now that I'm talking to you, fantastic. <laughs> Susie, <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, you, you've had an absolute lifetime of horses and you started off five-year-old at Flint Ridge Riding Club with Jimmy Williams. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Well, yeah, I was very lucky. I actually started at a summer camp that was my sister and I. It was probably an hour and a half away from the riding club and the school horses from the riding club would go there for the summer. Mm -hmm. And we actually followed the horses from the summer camp to the riding club. So (sighs) we were very lucky that we were steered in the right direction to begin with. And then, as you said, my riding career began and was forever at the Flint Ridge Riding Club with Jimmy Williams until like 1996 when I he had passed away and I left the riding club and kind of pursued my own business. Mm-hmm. But he was my mentor, my best friend, and he's still on my shoulder telling me what to do every day. Oh, that's great. That's great. Now, this No Guts, No Glory, tell me when when that became your in- favorite inspirational quote. Well, I think actually it was Jimmy was quite a quote person. He had a lot of different quotes, and I have a, a book that I put together of a lot of quotes that were his favorites. And and this I think went on my arm, tattooed on my arm. I think for my fortieth birthday. Mm-hmm. But Jimmy was always a inspiration as far as riding every horse you could ride, anything that walked in the gate, anything that was hauled into the gate and came out of the trailer. It was, you know, I was excited to be the first one to hop on it and see you know, what it was made out of and to see how its brain worked. And if I could ride it and if I couldn't, and horses are, I think, very humbling animals. I remember well coming back from the World Cup finals, having finished fourth overall to a horse show in California in Bakersfield. I got on my very first horse, eight o'clock in the morning, schooling for a little, you know, three foot, one meter class. And the horse stopped in the warm up area <laughs> oh, and no. off I went. And, oh, no. and it was fine though. I mean, that's just, that's the sport. Horses, yep. you know, yep. keep us lined up and keep us, you know, kind of humbled. And then I think that that's where we all belong and we all need to really cherish cherish the animal and love them for what they are and try to understand them and you know if they want to just if they want to be a a meter 60 horse great if we would love to have them be that and they're not then let them be what they're going to be if they're the best meter 20 horse they can be then that's what we need to realize and and allow them to be that Mm, mm, okay yeah yeah no what you're saying makes sense I'm just going back to you know there's a big jump from you starting riding at five and I can see, you know, you're putting the pieces together to become a professional show jumper. But when did you actually make that decision that you wanted to become a professional? When I was 16. Okay. 
Okay. And that was influenced yeah, I would, by... I would come and ride prior to school. Yeah, yep. it's definitely influenced by Jimmy. I would ride 30 horses a day at home. Uh-huh. Um, I'd uh-huh. come before school, well, during school probably not that many horses, but, but probably 10 a day. I'd come before school and ride two or three, and then after school I'd finish riding, riding the rest. Yep. Um, and then after, by the time I was 18... I went to college for a short period of time, but they weren't quite as... And I think college education is a really important thing. So Mm -hmm. I think every child should go to college. I didn't end up going to college. I went for a short time, and then they told me when I was told them I was leaving for a horse show for 10 days, they said, well, then you're leaving (laughs) school because you can't miss that many days of school. And I had gone to a private girls' school, and they were really quite good about allowing me to to go and show. And Mm -hmm. as long Mm -hmm. as I stayed up with my my schoolwork, everything was fine. So Mm -hmm. college, as I said, at 16, I knew this was going to be the profession that I was going to choose, and I'm happy I did. Okay. Now, just out of interest, what were you going to study at, at college? Well, I actually, because I knew that this was something that was important to me, I felt the business aspects were important. So I was mm-hmm. I was headed more towards uh, business classes. Okay. All right. Now, there's hundreds, if not thousands of people that would come through Flintridge. What makes it, what special core skills, if someone's going to go on and become a professional, even if they're going to go on and become a professional groom or whatever, what are the core skills do you think are needed for working in the horse industry? Well, I think, you know, for sure, what I think is, has become a bit of a lost part of, of our industry is is why we get in it to begin with, which is the love of the animal. Mm-hmm. And I think every day being sure and, and look at it from head to toe and make sure that, that there's not a new bump or a new lump or, I mean, it all starts from the barn. When we would get on our, or Jimmy would ride a horse that was misbehaving or didn't seem happy with its job, first thing he would do is go back and check on the grooms and make sure the groom wasn't mistreating the horse or mm-hmm. that there wasn't something happening back there. And it's just the same when you're teaching children that are going to school, you mm-hmm. know, when they're in the midst of exams or, you know, heavy studying or whatever they seem, they're not quite as with you at, a, at their lesson as they would be on a normal day-to-day basis. And, or maybe there's a problem at home with the parents or whatever. And, and you don't really know that side of what's going on with everybody's life, but mm-hmm. it, they seem to carry it to their lessons. And I think that we as trainers and teachers need to be really aware and careful of how much we discipline our children when we're teaching them mm-hmm. and really think about maybe something else is going on in their life at that time and, and even maybe look into it, you know, to make sure they're okay. And the same way with the horses. It's, it's you know, checking them from the minute they walk out of their stall in the morning. Yep. And then seeing what, you know, make, and making sure they have a little, I mean, it's like children getting getting recess at school. I think they all need to be turned out and have some, some freedom just out and being a horse. Yeah, yeah. Now, there's lots of people that start off in the horse career. And, you know, the love of the horse, they start off, they may not realise what's actually involved, but they still, they work within the horse industry. But there's only a few that actually get to the top. What makes it that, you know, what do you think you've got that someone else hasn't got that started off with ambitions like yours, but just didn't make it? What do you think that you've got ahead of the others? Is it no guts, no glory, or is it a bit more than that? 
well, I think that the main thing that, that got me to where I was was the ability to ride so many different horses. Mm-hmm. And in the days of my youth, our horse shows, we had the Western horses, we had the saddle horses, we had all the different divisions, and we would watch all of those other trainers and watch how they did things. And there's so many ways you can train a horse. My first year at the World Cup Finals in Paris, France, Jimmy Williams was riding Livius, who was my horse at that World Cup Finals. And I was sitting in the grandstand watching Jimmy fly him in the morning, and then I was watching, that was a, a non-championship year, and the best horses, the best riders were there, and I was watching John mm-hmm. Loop with Pierre Durand, and I was watching Hugo Simone, and I was watching the best of the British and the best of the Germans, and they were all flatting in a different way. Okay. Um, British long and low, and the Germans very, you know, pushing and pulling at the time. The horses were still quite big and heavy. Mm. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, here are the best riders and the best horses in the world, and they're all doing this differently. Mm. And it was really a good eye-opener for me to realize that there's there's not just one way to train a horse or to train a rider. You have to really, you know, leave them as an open book and, and try to help them develop themselves in a way that's best fitted for them. Okay. I think you've explained that well. Now, I know that Jimmy Williams has had a lot, has influenced you a lot. What about other people besides him? that have influenced you about horses. And tell me a little bit about how you came across them, how you've learnt from them. I think George Morris has been an influence Mm -hmm. um, in that, you know, being chef to keep as he was. And George and I have been friends since I was 12. I knew George the first year I went indoors to Mm -hmm. Harrisburg, Washington and New York. I was 12. So I got to, you know, meet all of the top professionals when I was a very young child. And Oh, Rodney Jenkins and riders like that were quite always an inspiration. Bernie Traurig, always a classical, amazing rider to watch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, even Paul Schockemuller and his brother Alvin, you know, amazing riders. The Whitakers, amazing riders. I think uh, Nick Skelton, amazing rider. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. can just and they, you can just count them over and over and over again. But you just have to keep your eyes open and and watch. You know, yep. I think yep. that that's what these kids today they need to be not just say, okay, we're done at the barn, let's go you know, watch TV or, you know, play video games or something. They should be at the schooling area because that's really where everything happens. Yes. Um, yep. It's not, it's, it's, it doesn't happen in the show ring. It happens with what they, what the homework has been done in the show ring and at home. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's where those kids need to be. All right. Now I'm going to move from people to horses and I want to talk about the horses that have influenced you the most. And And starting off from, you know, even when you were at school and riding, what horses influenced you the most there and why? Well, Jimmy was very good at, um, he sold, sold my, actually my father, my sister and I all three rode. And okay. Jimmy was very good at, at purchasing quite nice horses. And that was very nice for me to have the privilege of, of having, you know, really nice horses as a child. Mm-hmm. So in our family, we had like five or six horses yep. and actually we would share some of the horses, but in between shows, like those horses would just be worked on the flat, kept fit, not jump very much until the horse show was coming you know, around. And in those days, we didn't have horse shows every single week like we do today. We had like 11 major horse shows that we would do throughout mm-hmm. the year. And then I would ride, as I said, anything and everything that came through the gate at the Fort Ridge Riding Club. And we were in charge of 200 horses there. Mm-hmm. And I would ride about 30 horses. So 
you know, I think as a young rider, it was the difficult horses that really taught me the most Mm -hmm. and that I would work the hardest to try to learn to get into their heads and figure out what made them tick and how to make them be a successful horse. Mm -hmm. As far as horses that I've owned, my Hunter Best Bet that was six years in a row Pacific Coast Hunter Champion and inducted into the Hunter Hall of Fame Mm -hmm. was just a machine. But I started riding him when I was 11 and he was only five. So it was one of those magical things that never, ever happens. I mean, you just don't put a young rider with a young green horse, but for some reason, it just happened to work for that horse and myself. Mm -hmm. So I was really lucky in that respect. As far as jumpers go, I had some really great horses as a young rider that were generous and forgiving. And as far as my own particular horses, I certainly rode enough that would slam me into a jump. Um, (laughs) But as far as my own personal horses, I had some, some great teachers that taught me the ropes and I was showing Grand Prix when I was 16 and Samsung Woodstock was the horse of a lifetime. He belonged to Samsung and he took me all over the world, took me to the World Equestrian Games, took me to the World Cup Finals. I won three Volvos and Mercedes and the Cadillac with him. So uh, he was a horse of a lifetime. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Now you've had lots of proud moments, but what do you think is your proudest moment? I suppose being inducted into the Show Jumping Hall of Fame Mm -hmm. was a really big honor. There are a lot of people in this world that could be inducted in there, and and I being one of them was very special. Great, great. All right, now just moving on, what about a training tip for people? Training tip to help them, either a jumping training tip, something that you you see again and again, you just think – oh, if only they could do this, you know, something that the majority of people working with their horses could learn by? Well, I think my biggest riding tip would be speed, pace, okay. yep. um, rate of speed. And there's a book that was Jimmy's Bible. In fact, he, he read it so many times that the, the bounding of the book got bad and somebody <laughs> rebounded as a Bible yep. for him. And it was, it's called Give Your Horse a Chance by uh-huh. Dean Doherty. In that book, there's like a formula which says, you know, if you go X amount of, well, if you go 360 yards, you should be able to negotiate that distance. If you're cantering 12 foot to a stride, you should be able to go 12 miles an hour and do that distance in one minute. Yep. So when I do clinics, I'm always measuring 360 yards around the arena uh-huh. and then I time everybody so that they can start to establish a clock in their head. Yep. Uh, the best yep. riders in the world, you, you know that they know exactly where they are on course at every single, you know, where, how, how they can cut a corner here mm-hmm. or add a corner there, add a stride there and still, you know, be within the time allowed and or be a bit faster than the previous rider that they saw going to jump off. Yep. But I really, I really work on pace and try to get people comfortable at galloping at a proper pace, but you use the word pace and, and what is pace. But by using that exercise, they start to learn, okay, here's 12 miles an hour. And if they can learn where 12 miles an hour is, then they can learn where eight is. Mm-hmm. The, I help quite a few three-day eventers and they're cantering 20, 25 miles an hour across country. And that's, that's really fast. Mm-hmm. So learning to, to get comfortable and have a horse that maintain its balance, maintain its rhythm at a higher rate of speed, I think is really an important asset at the higher levels. Okay, so not just the speed, but the quality of the speed. Yep. Absolutely. And also for young riders, when I do that exercise in a clinic situation, it's amazing how many adult amateurs or young Mm -hmm. children are really afraid to even canter fast enough to jump a line in four strides, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the speed that they would need to do that on the flat. They can't do it. Mm. So if they can't do it on the flat, 
then how can we expect them to, to put it together and do it over fences? Yep. The, yep. To me, the flat work is just a continuation to the jumps. You know, they need to have a firm, flat foundation. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Anything to do with the flat work and the, the firm foundation that you'd like to give as a training tip there? How can they get to that speed? What do they need to know as a good basis to get to there? Well, as I was saying, if they'll measure around their ring mm. and have a start marker and a finish marker and measure 360 yards, yep. and then they start their stopwatch as they pass their first marker, canter that distance and stop their stopwatch at the end of that distance. And if they're if they're cantering at 12 miles per hour, yep. the horse is approximately on a 12-foot stride, they should negotiate that distance in one minute. And so there they start to establish a clock in their head as to where 12 miles per hour is. Once they start their circle in the show ring, they should go at least 12 to 13 miles an hour to get to their first line and then try to maintain it throughout the course. And the problem is more people can say, okay, if I just had a better first jump, I would have had a great round. If I'd had a better last jump, I'd have had a great round. The last, Mm -hmm. by the time they get to the end of the course, they're going too fast. Mm -hmm. So they Mm -hmm. need to really stay on track of, of their rhythm and of their speed and their pace. And by staying on the correct pace, they'll maintain the right rhythm. Okay, good. Now or at that, least be more apt to. <laughs> that book, Give Your Horse a Chance, is that still in print? I, I'm i not sure. Okay. Look, I'll have a look, and um, if it is, I'll see if I can find some more information about that. Now, Susie, what about your future? I mean, you've already achieved so much. What do you see as happening now in the future? Well, I would certainly love to have one more Grand Prix horse, whether uh-huh. it be just as much as a, a World Cup horse. I don't, I don't see that I... Probably I'll be 65 in February, but I still feel like I'm 40. <laughs> I would certainly love to do the global tour, but I, I think that's a little out of the question. Horses are so expensive today, and, and really at the moment I just have a really nice seven-year-old and a nice six-year-old that I'm bringing along and starting again. So I would love to have and or make one more really good Grand Prix horse. Okay, okay. All right. Now, can you sum up your philosophy into a lesson today for our listeners? Just something to, uh, like, as a, as a closing message then to say to our listeners, something they can take away and be thinking about for the day. Well, I think that everyone needs to think about how to improve themselves by watching other people and learning if mm-hmm. not what to do, what not to do. Okay, wonderful. All right. Now, people, how can they contact you? I have a website, SusanHutchisonStable.com. Okay. And I also have a Facebook page, (laughs) just Susan Hutchison. (laughs) We'll put those contact details up on the website as well. Thank you very much, Susie, for your time today. It's been absolutely pleasurable talking to you. It's been fantastic. And hopefully we'll get you back again sometime soon. Thank you. Great speaking with you as well. Thank Thank you so much. Bye-bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.